Hey, look, we've I've got also all- decided what? that you should do the teasing. Always? No, just now. Oh, oh okay. you were going to, weren't you? Yeah, I was starting the teasing. I'm that sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I know now in your head you think I'm just going to keep interrupting. <laughs> I will not do that. Because unlike certain people who shall remain nameless, I don't keep interrupting people when I know I should stop and let them do what they have to do. I mean, I some people do that, but not me. I just let them go ahead and carry on with whatever it is they need to do. Because I know I would like to do whatever I need to do on a timely manner. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it kills me how you can just run off like that. It's sort of wonderful. I'm a little jealous. <laughs> Wait a minute. Did you just hear before with the kangaroo box thing? <laughs> yeah, but there's no recorded evidence. Rat. Well, there goes my court case. Yeah, here we go. So, hey. All right, tease away. Want to say hi to new listeners over in UK. You guys recently popped up a little bit. So, hey, thank you very much. Please, uh, if you like what you see, uh, don't be afraid to like, uh, subscribe, and or follow This Is True Really News at your favorite podcast consumption app. And that could Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Downcast, and Podcruncher. Be great. They're all, uh, and those are all geared toward that Apple thing. So, yeah. And if you don't like what you hear or see, tell all the people you don't like about us. Yeah, exactly. We can deal with them. Yeah. This is True Really News with Scott Combs and Tony Vercanis. All the news you're about to hear is true. As far as you know. So I have 12, well, actually 10 strangers town names in the u.s but 12 sounds like more than 11 a lot of times it is somewhere if the common man ever listens to us i'm common i'm screwed (laughs) and now five well actually three but it sounds like more than four or something he does i don't know know. anyway what a riot town names this is like what the third edition of these we had which one are you doing town names town names okay go 100 art we'll start with nowhere oklahoma Yes, when you reach nowhere, Oklahoma residents will tell you that you've arrived nowhere. nowhere. I like anyway, it. That's true. It's an unincorporated community. It isn't on a map, but you have to still be somewhere because you're nowhere. And if you're in the middle of nowhere, you must be somewhere. And then you can go to the nowhere store. This sounds like a Star and Trek is, conundrum. And this is not a, anything like nothing Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, number two, Boring, Oregon. Mm. There are so many ways to go. It markets itself as the most exciting place to live. Hacha. Uh, it's again an unincorporated community. Takes its name from William Harrison Boring, which you know when you figure the president he was named after a Fitz. William well, yeah. Bo- there could be a comma. William Harrison, comma Boring, who arrived in the area in 1874. Boring is also sister cities we suspect to dull Scotland and bland Australia. <laughs> Hey, hey, Dull Scotland is full of the the intelligentsia of the Scottish region. And Bland Australia is filled with kangaroos, so there we are. There we are. Number three, Ding Dong, Texas. No, it has nothing to do with Hostess. I got real chocolatey, covered cake kind of feeling there. The first thing I thought of was playing Ding Dong Ditch. (laughs) See if, hey, see if there's a pattern developing. Ding Dong is an unincorporated community. (laughs) Pretty much wits. Pretty much smack dab in the middle of Texas, give or take. Got its name from the uncle-nephew duo of Zulius and Bert Bell. Ding dong. 
Oh my. Now, see how do you, yeah. They opened a country store there in the 30s. <clears throat> in addition to symbols of bells, their store sign contained the words Ding and Dong. And the growing community decided, hey, what a great name for a town. Ding Obviously, on. not the intelligentsia of Texas in that town, but hey. How about Accident, Accident Maryland? That could be all of Maryland. Ooh. Oh, hey, looky here, a town that's not incorporated. Unincorporated. <laughs> this it's, one actually it's is incorporated or disincorporated. Got its name. Got it. It's disreunincorporated. That's it. Sure. It got its name in the 1700s when two different land surveyors claimed the area for themselves by accident. Yeah. There, you know, you would hope for some really cool. No, nope. they started calling the plot of land accident tracked and the name stuck. And you can actually call a person from accident accidental. Number five, we've all heard of or and or love truth or consequences, New Mexico. If you don't know the story behind this, I don't know why I'm talking to you. <laughs> For posterity. It no. has no great exotic reason. It is, a, I mean, it's basically a city compared to the others because there are like 6,500 people in truth or consequences. I'm guessing um, it's incorporated then. It, it's a it town is. of its own, yep. in its own right. Okay. Um, as you may have guessed, it was named after the TV, the TV show. show. Yeah. Yeah. In 1950, Ralph Edwards said that he would air his 10th anniversary broadcast of Truth or Consequences from the first town that changed its name to match his show. Uh, and uh, oddly enough, they did. It worked. I know. You just expect more out of that, though. Some devilish went down to Georgia. Well, maybe not Georgia, but New Mexico kind of story. <laughs> well, you get his Ralph Edwards. Ah, well, you could do worse. There's Booger Hole, West Virginia. According to legend, Booger Hole, West Virginia, got its name from a spate of murders in 1917. Stay with me. The town folks formed a mob to find the boogeyman or the booger. booger. Mm. A name apparently came from there. Now, while we think that's at least a fun story, well, maybe not fun. Well, it depends on which end of the stick you're on there. There's there's a problem, though. It can't be true because the murders, <laughs> murders happened in Booger Hold. Yes, it was named prior to the murders. Um. It's cousin, Booger Town, North Carolina. <laughs> Came from, of all things, moonshiners. Yes, in the days of your, kind of the same, but sort of more liquory. In okay. the days, of course, the guy could have been drunk when he was committing the murder, so I can't actually say that for sure. I'm. It's a supposition. He's just ripping now, folks. In the days of your, moonshiners used to keep curious visitors away from their stills by telling tall tales about a... Boogeyman. No, they went right to Boogerman. Did they really? The little okay. snots that haunted the whole don't that haunted the local woods yes these boogermen were evil creatures you're a child a very old one <laughs> i'm a 63 year old 12 year old so maybe there's some truth to the booger hole story now that you think about it or maybe both places just had way too much booze on their hands yeah number eight slap out oklahoma and alabama there are two slap outs in the U.S. We don't know why. One's in Oklahoma, another in Alabama. We don't, maybe some folks left one and decided to found the other. How New slap. Boy, you move New from Alabama out. to Oklahoma. Is that lateral or? That's not a move no, up. No. That, Interestingly that, enough, both towns have identical stories behind their names. Dump, dump, dump. Again, the story's not much. Both were, you know, supposedly home to a general store that was always out of stock or slap out of everything. How about Pig, Kentucky? And an oink to you, too. It's an unincorporated community. Ah, there we go. It's on a road in Kentucky. That narrows it down. 
The town's biggest claim to fame is probably the extremely uninspired origin of this name. I know. There are so many things you're thinking of, right? Good stuff, hopefully. When pioneers arrived in the area, they couldn't decide what they would call the settlement. And then a resident saw a pig on the road and said, why don't we call it pig? And they did. Sort of like how St. Paul got named Pig's Eye for the longest time. See, they should have stayed with that. They really should have stayed. It's much cooler than St. Paul. I I really like to hear legislators and Pig's Eye. They should have called... They should have called Minneapolis St. Paul yep. and kept St. Paul Pig's Eye. Oh, that would have been. No. Fun. No, they had to come up with something Latin or Greek. The Greek. Portland of Polis. the North. <laughs> oh, and number 10, <laughs> Burns Down, South Carolina. Because? Well, it's not actually today. It's kind of incorporated into the town of Sumter, South Carolina. Burns Other Down, Sumter. Still, yeah, you can still find it on yep. the map. Okay. No idea how the name came to be, but I have a feeling, and this is just a thought, that there might have been fire involved. Yes. <sighs> Which makes you think right away of Hell, Michigan, and I'm done now. So um, I was able to talk to a good friend of mine in Liverpool, England, uh, the other day, Patrick Reed. friends? I have. Well, how much money does Ann make? Because that's a lot of people to pay now. Well, my mother's estate pays most of them. Oh, so, thank God yeah, for the foundation. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but Patrick and I worked together. We met when he was working for another company, and we worked together there a little bit. I was doing some marketing for him, and he was, uh, I think, in charge of international sales or whatever. Is it true your real brothers and sisters have nothing to do with you, and your mom had to hire actors? Was that the original intent of the foundation? <laughs> um, hadn't really thought of it, uh, but I'll look it up. It's got to be in the paperwork somewhere. Pretty sure if you just ask them, they'll tell you. Somebody has to be nice to Scott. <laughs> That's all there Are is. Are you to related it. to me? Well, no, not really. We get paid quite a handsome fee. <laughs> quite a handsome fee. You know, show and, up on holidays and things. But yeah, pa- Patrick is uh, Patrick is a lovely man. Uh, and uh, when how does he, a guy named Patrick end up in Liverpool? Shouldn't he be in I don't know County Cork, Kirk, Enterprise, <clears throat> Church? Carry on. He grew up right by Strawberry Fields. Forever? Um, like he, well, huh? Yeah. As a matter of fact, forever. Um, it's a song. Strawberry fields forever. Yeah, but he's not that old. Um, in any case, we're not that old. Yeah, that's true. So, um, I told him about the show. My knees hurt. And he went and saw the show. And now I'm getting this string of stories sent to me. By, by show, do you mean like cats? No, I mean this is true. Really, news. Oh, dude, I'm sorry so, you had to be introduced to that. From Patrick Reed, no relation, our man in Liverpool. Natalie Stewart's dad was walking his new puppy uh, on Upton Bridal Path in Witness, a uh, settlement since Viking times on the banks of the River Mersey, as you well know, when he was, oh. when he was suddenly swooped upon. Being a man of his wits, he ducked, but failed to duck the second time, and the seagull really let him have it by pecking the back of his head. Ow. Apparently, the seagulls around Liverpool can best be described as psychotic. They've been known to steal food from people's hands. They're just cantankerous. <laughs> Alex Bayer, well, you are going to change your They're misunderstood. By the end of this. They've had a tough seagull life. Alex Bayer says, every time I go to New Brighton for a spot of fishing, the pterodactyl seagulls seem to get bigger and more brazen. The pterodactyl seagulls. Well, pterodactyl 
pterodact seagulls is how he says yeah, yeah pterodact seagulls so pterodactyls uh, but they steer his steer his bait they steal his bait they steer his bait right into their mouths <laughs> john bradley witnessed an episode on upper frederick street where he saw a seagull trying to eat a pigeon in derby square that seems a bit much. Phil Owens says, earlier this year, I saw a seagull kill a pigeon in Williamson Square and start eating it. You know, and you know, no, seagulls still seems a bit much. <laughs> seagulls and pigeons have a long and storied rivalry in Liverpool. Local police are looking into the possibility of the last two events being gang related. Tony? Damn gangs of gulls. Gull gangs. Okay, I'm going to apologize for this up front. You may want to, you know, Block the ears of little ones. Napoleon Bonaparte is a man who needs no introduction, so let me give him an introduction. He was once the emperor of France. He's famed for military genius, almost taking over all of Europe, and the myth about his height. Mm -hmm. um, no, he was not short. He was actually normal size. It was just a weird way the French measured height back then. And honestly, is it surprising the French had a weird way to measure height? Their own way. Let's, let's measure it in negative numbers. I can now, these days, this. Napoleon spends most of his time in his decorated tomb in Paris. Well... Most of his time. Primarily, he's in a decorated tomb in Paris. Not all his body parts are there, though. The most famous organ extracted from his body after his death in 1821 is his heart. Yes, he did have one, according to some of you. He did not, but hey, he did one right in the middle. Well, more to the left. What most people don't know is that the doctor carrying out Napoleon's autopsy <clears throat> also, also saved. snipped off something else. Snipped off should give you a clue. Toenails? Nope. Fingernails? No. I rose. Mm -mm. Anything but what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Oh. That was it. Oh. Yep. They snipped off his French part. How do you say Johnson in French? Johnson. Oh, thank you. The Johnson. Uh, that was 200 years ago. Over the centuries, Napoleon's Johnson <laughs> has made quite the journey. It began in 1796. He was born a young child and was apparently uh, pretty active socially because he had two wives, several mistresses, one heir, and at least two illegitimate children they can find. And then he died. Yes, that famous death on the island of St. Helena. And then everything started traveling. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Francesco Antomarchi, the doctor who separated the Jean-Jean, from the Jean-Jean's owner, gave it to Napoleon's chaplain. Go ahead. Let that mull around in your head for a minute. Unclear why the doctor got Napoleon's... Uh, <laughs> you know, unclear. it's French. Don't do, don't do Yiddish or German. It's, it's unclear <laughs> why the doctor got Napoleon's uh, Jean-Jean yeah. off. There we go. Some say it was an accident. Some say it was done to humiliate Napoleon after his death. Um, for those of you wondering, if you're thinking of doing anything like that, they're dead. They don't care. True. Yeah, and don't. Whatever the case, the Jean-Saint now belong to a chaplain whose name has been forgotten to history, and his family is so grateful for that, and they don't even know it. Uh, <laughs> he smuggled it back to Napoleon's native Corsica, but the priest didn't get to enjoy the Jean-Saint. I don't know how that doesn't feel right. No, just don't he ever didn't have it that way again. He did not have Dong for long. <laughs> he was killed in a vendetta. And Napoleon's Jean-Saint passed to his family as an heirloom. 
until 1916. There's a great family. At this point, I would start looking for ways to legally change my last name. There, That's what Mag's brother have it bronzed or something. Ew, that don't get icky. Okay, okay? don't <laughs> right. make this story like not icky enough. Do not make this story tawdry. What am I turning something precious into something tawdry? <laughs> No, that's no, what but... Mags Brothers, a British bookselling company, bought it for an undisclosed sum. What do you pay for a dead emperor's slightly used? Yeah, no, it was used. But <laughs> the firm attempted to sell it back to the French government. They, for some reason, didn't want it. <laughs> that might be one of the few great decisions the French government has made. That was one of the most intelligent things I think they've ever done. So in 1924, Mags Brothers finally found a buyer, S.W. Rosenbach another antiquarian from Philadelphia. I suppose if you're into antiques, what more? Anyway, in 27, thinking it was too important to keep just for himself. Take that one to the Antiques Roadshow and get a price. <laughs> oh, no. How about you take it to the New York Museum of French Art? So Rosenbach did, because we all know that, you know, 100-year-old chansons are <laughs> art. Although, honest are. to God, with what passes for art these days, yeah. After the exhibition, <laughs> there's a couple of stop it. There. Sorry. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great though if if the case was just an uh, like a raincoat? <laughs> it just opened anyway. Woo! It started its wandering years after the exhibition. <laughs> Rosenbach eventually got bored with owning it, sold the Johnson uh, to a collector called Hyde Donald Hyde. I don't know if he was a doctor, but that would scare me. When yes. Hyde died, his wife donated the Janson uh, to a bookseller by the name of John F. Fleming. What is it with book people wanting? Uh, anyway, he sold it to an unnamed collector who unsuccessfully tried to sell it at a Christie's auction under the title of, and I quote, Napoleon's Certain Part. <laughs> 1977, a urologist and professor, John K. Latimer, purchased the Janson for three grand. $3,000 in 1977 would be, I don't know, what, 10, 12 now? Give or take. I have no idea. Latimer didn't want any attention, though, so he kept the chanson under his bed and refused to let anyone see it, which makes one wonder truly why the, buy it in the first place. In 2007, Latimer died, and his daughter, Evan, inherited the chanson. Uh, to the best of knowledge these days, it is still in her possession. And we're sorry for that, dear. Um, the story there. Gives whole new meaning to the last name Bonaparte. Um, I hate you now. I don't know if I'm even sorry for that. <laughs> no, that was the end of the story. <laughs> and you can tell why his name was Bonaparte. Was it really? <laughs> because it see the bonapartist play on words yeah, yeah I get and that. slang kind of thing well, yeah, you yeah, well, that because you stole the line and i hate I'm, you now forever well, I just for that for tomorrow i'm looking up for more lost body parts just so you know <laughs> from patrick reed our man in liverpool that'll teach you a 65 year old austrian man was minding his own business the other when morning. he bought napoleon's chanson new worse oh. my most Vivid, irrational fear. Oh, no, a snake got him in the... Visiting Ooh. his favorite toilet when he felt a nip in his nether regions. I say, I believe uh, something has taken a nibble. <laughs> well, he's Austrian, so he'd have a German accent. It's uh, like Schwarzenegger. Upon further inspection, the man... No, just... he was Schwarzenegger to rip the toilet out, grab the snake, <laughs> and tore it into small bits. 
Upon further inspection, the man discovered a five and a half foot albino reticulated python peering up at him with the cold, dead eyes of an apex predator or something like that. Apparently, his neighbor keeps 11 non-venomous... <laughs> Stop. Um, his neighbor keeps 11 non-venomous constrictor snakes and a gecko. Tinder's crack team of investigators report the lizard, lizard may only be there at the behest of an insurance company. Anyway, <laughs> experts believe the snake gained access to the toilet through the drains. Snake's owner faces an investigation for negligence. Victim only sustained minor injuries. You know, I think this show might just have to go away. There's enough ick in this show to just, you know. Or it could be a classic. With us, it's hard to tell. Yeah. This is True Really News. Send email to TITR at netradio.network. <laughs>